Good evening. Welcome to Tuesday Evening Chapel. I didn't mean for everybody just to stop, but I'm glad you did. Welcome to Tuesday Evening Chapel. We are being transformed into Christ's likeness. One more time. We are being transformed into Christ's likeness. Dr. Jay Ott, Vice President for Campus Academic Services, is the preacher of the evening. Would you welcome him? <laughs> Dr. Ott, Dr. Jay, I don't know which one you prefer, but he's a brother in the Lord and he's going to help us understand a little bit more about what it means to be transformed into Christ's likeness. All in favor say aye. All right, all in favor, please stand. We're going to sing two, three, four. Father, we thank you for this great salvation that you have made possible for us. We thank you for Jesus Christ, who is the firstborn, who is the proof and the model that this salvation is possible for each and every one of us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I want to try and experiment tonight. Everyone, raise one of your hands as high as you can get it. Right? Now, for the next 30 seconds, none of us are going to think of pink elephants. Okay? 30 seconds, no one's going to think of pink elephants. If the, the words pink elephant come to your mind, I want you to put your hand down. Not yet. Not yet. Okay. <laughs> If an image of a pink elephant comes to your mind, I want you to put your hand down. So for 30 seconds, everyone understands? 30 seconds, no one is going to think about or imagine pink elephants. The moment the words or the image comes to your mind of pink elephants, put your hand down. Not hard, just 30 seconds. Are you ready? Go. No one thinking. Pink elephants. No words. No images. No pink elephant. Okay. You don't think anything. Don't hear it. Doesn't come to your mind. Nothing. No pink elephants. Got it? All right. Okay. There are a few of us. Okay. There were a few of us who were unwilling to be honest, right? That's why I my ears. Okay. This experiment emphasizes the role our minds play in our transformation into the image of Jesus Christ. Paul addresses this role of our minds in, the, in our text for the evening, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. I would encourage you, if you have a 
pew Bible near you or you brought your own to get it out and join me as we read this and, and keep your Bibles out because we will uh, have, we will refer to them several times tonight. Romans 12 verses 1 through 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Within this passage, Paul provides a number of foundations for our transformation. First of all, he gives us the ultimate motivation for our trans transformation. He says, in view of God's mercies... It is because we have experienced this great grace of God within our lives that we have this driving desire within us to experience the transformation that he has made possible. Paul also provides the ultimate illustration of our transformation. He says, we become living sacrifices. At one and the same time, we are dead to our old life, and yet we are alive to God, moving in and through us. He provides for us the ultimate end of our transformation. He says that we would be holy. We would be like him in every way. Character, conduct, reflecting God and be pleasing to him. To be in a relationship with him in which he finds us personally pleasing and he approves of who we are and what we do. Also, he provides for us the ultimate method for achieving our transformation. When he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When we talk about the transformation of our minds, we must first understand why this transformation is necessary. The reason is because we are conforming presently to the pattern of this world. The term Paul uses to be conformed means to be in intimate company and fellowship with the habits actions and schemes of another. To have this close relationship that is based on the fact that we are in agreement in regards to these habits, in regards to these actions, in regards to these life patterns, these schemes. Most often I have heard this passage, this term interpreted as giving way to outside pressures. 
In other words, it is if the world is this huge press external to us that is forcing us into its mold. When I was younger, my dad worked for General Motors in a stamping plant. And we had occasions to go and to visit him there. And in these plants, they would have these huge machines. And they, someone would take a sheet, a flat sheet of metal, and would slide it into the machine. And there would be two sections, and these sections would uh, come together with the metal in between them, and they would press together with such great force that when they came apart, that sheet metal would be perfectly conformed to the image of the mold. However, if you look carefully at Paul's terms and phrasing. It is not actually a case of external pressure, but it is more appropriately an internal self-induced pressure. It It is as if the world comes to us and places a box before us and says, oh my, isn't this a lovely box? And the world entices us to come and invites us in and says, wouldn't you love to live in this box? And through the enticement of the world, we force ourselves to fit into this box that the world presents to us. have an illustration of how this works. How many of you are familiar with the movie Pretty Woman? You've heard of it? You've seen it? This movie is is actually a modern retelling of an old fairy tale. Anyone know what it is? I heard it. Cinderella. Absolutely. It is nothing more than the old story of Cinderella told in a modern version. But if we understand that, we also need to be aware of the message that the movie is conveying to us. Think of it. The message is this to young women. If you want to be Cinderella, if you want to find your Prince Charming, the way to do it is to go out and sell yourself on the street. The message to young men is this. If you want to be Prince Charming, Amass all the wealth, all the power that you can so that you can abuse others for your own pleasure. Now, 
Does this movie force young women and young men to conform to that pattern? No. There is no great pressure that is forcing them externally to follow those patterns. But there is a great enticement. Oh, they've made it look so good. Everything works out in the end, and they all lived happily ever after. Here's the box. Isn't it pretty? Wouldn't you like to experience the joy and the happiness and the fulfillment that these characters have experienced in this movie? Come, fit yourself into this box. None of us would allow ourselves to be forced into that mold. And yet, how many of us have watched that movie with delight or have it sitting on the shelves of our libraries at home? How do we combat this enticement to pressure ourselves to fit into the pattern of this world? The answer, Paul says, is by the renewing of our minds. How do we achieve this renewing? The Bible addresses two aspects of renewal. The first is the source of our thoughts, and the second is the focus of our thoughts. Go back with me to some scriptures. The first one, Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 9. Romans 8, verses 5 through 9. Paul deals here with the source of our thoughts. He says, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what the nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature can not can not, can not please God. What we must first understand if we are going to experience the renewal of our mind is the problem with our first mind, the mind with which we come into this world. 
that mind is patterned after, is controlled by the sinful desire, the fallen nature, the pattern of this world. And if that mind that we are born with is already conformed to the pattern of the world, then it will go against its own nature to do anything else. And why would we expect to be able to have a transformation of our lives, a renewing of our minds, if we are depending upon that old mind? It is impossible. It cannot happen. So we must get rid of the old mind. Secondly, 1 Corinthians 2 going to pull a few verses out of this text. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Not only must we get rid of the old mind, but Paul says, verses 9 through 12 and verse 16, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. We have the mind of Christ. Praise the Lord! Our transformation, the renewal of our minds is made possible by this great exchange. We exchange the mind of the flesh for the very mind of God in Jesus Christ through the abiding power and presence of the Holy Spirit. We must understand that apart from the, our entire sanctification in the Holy Spirit, it is impossible for us to experience transformation into the image of Jesus Christ because it is impossible for us to exchange the thoughts of the world for the thoughts of a holy God. And so we have the source of our thoughts, but we also must change the focus of our thoughts. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 1 through 2, verse 5, and verse 8. Since then, 
you have been raised with Christ. Since then, you have experienced the forgiveness of your sins. And you have been raised to a new level through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Paul here is not saying that we should be so heavenly minded, otherworldly minded, that we are no earthly good. What he is saying is that Jesus Christ abides in the glory of the Father and he abides as the Lord of all. So set your mind on the glory that is Jesus Christ's already. Set your mind on the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And when you do that, you will put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. We need to so fill our minds with the glory and the lordship of Jesus Christ that there is no place for these earthly things to reside. Finally, turn with me to Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. What is Paul saying? Paul is simply giving us a list of the characteristics of the glory of Jesus Christ. When we focus our minds on who Jesus Christ is, the glorified one, the Lord of all creation, when we make this the exclusive intent of our minds there will be no room for us to be enticed with the things of this world I want to share with you a personal illustration of my own battle to experience the renewal of my mind when I was a, a young preacher in my first church, I soon found myself to be overwhelmed with all of the responsibilities and the duties of being a pastor. So much so that when I would go to bed at night, 
I would find it impossible to turn the thoughts off, to set aside the responsibilities, the heartaches of ministry, the concerns of my vocation. And for a long time, night after night after night, I would lay there sometimes for hours. And even when I would drift off to sleep, it would not be a deep, restful sleep. It would be a fitful sleep in which I was continually in this battle. Things became so difficult that that the only way I could get any rest would be that I would push myself to the point where I would just be so exhausted that physically and emotionally I would have nothing more to give and then I would finally fall asleep. In the midst of this battle, the Lord brought to me these two passages, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Do not be anxious for anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Matthew 6, 34, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough of its own trouble. And I would use these two passages when I would lay down at night and the thoughts would come to my mind. And God showed me that that anxiety is worrying about things that I can't control or that I cannot do anything about. And I would literally go through this process where as things would come to my mind, I would surrender them to God and I would pray, Lord, is there anything yet today that, that I can do about this situation? If not, Lord, I give it to you. It's tomorrow's business. And I would pray through each one of those. I would thank God for what he had done that day, for what he had helped me to accomplish. Thank him for how he was helping me to address that issue. And anything that was left, I would give it to him, and I would pray about it, and then I would say, it's yours. I accept your peace. And item by item by item, I would go through those two passages until everything was in the hands of God. And his peace would come over me and I would go to sleep. And still today, that is a spiritual discipline for the renewing of my mind that I practice when I face that same experience, that battle with anxiety. We will all find that our pursuit of transformation 
into the image of Jesus will take us through this battle for our minds. Frequently, it is our conformity to the mental patterns of this world that keep us from experiencing the complete victory that God desires for us. There are some of us here tonight whose minds, whose thoughts are conformed to the pattern of worthlessness. You have been told so many times that you will never amount to anything. That you have begun to say that very same thing to yourself. Worse than that, you hear those words as if they come from the very lips of God. Some of us have conformed our minds to the pattern of lust, to where we believe the world exists to feed our own appetites, whatever they might be. And we have conformed our minds so much to that pattern that we find that even we ourselves are being consumed by those very appetites. Some of us have conformed our minds to the pattern of anger. We've been through trials. We've been through difficult times, so many that we have come to the point of believing that life and even God himself are unfair and they have it something against us. And we respond and react to God, to life, to everyone else with anger and bitterness. Some of us have conformed our minds to the pattern of greed. We are convinced that every relationship is a competition. I cannot let you have anything because to do so means that I will have to give it up myself. And so we are constantly competing and hoarding things in, from our relationships with our spouses, with our children, with our co-workers. And we feel cheated anytime somebody receives something instead of us. Some of us have conformed our minds to the pattern of fear. We have been so battered and bruised in this world that we are convinced there is no security. There is no unshakable foundation, even in God. We can no more change these deep-seated mental patterns of our mind 
then we can restrain the image of pink elephants from our thoughts. Our transformation begins when we exchange the mind of the flesh for the mind of Jesus Christ through the power and presence of the abiding Holy Spirit. And once we have crucified the mind of the flesh and have the mind of Jesus, we will find our minds drawn to the very thoughts of God. As Chaplain Like leads us in this closing number, if you would want to experience the renewing the transformation of your mind. If you are hungry and thirsty for the opportunity to lay aside the patterns of this world that haunt your mind day and night, will you trust Him? Will you believe Him? Will you accept His invitation? to come and to experience all that he has already provided for you through Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We celebrate the new life that we have in Jesus Christ. We celebrate those old mental patterns that were crucified at your cross. We celebrate the new thoughts that you have filled our minds with. We celebrate the mind of the Holy Spirit that has come to us. We celebrate your word that speaks your thoughts into our lives. We celebrate the victory that is ours over the world. The freedom, the deliverance that we have through your Son, Jesus Christ. Go with us. Help us to live each and every day in the victory that he has already won on our behalf. Guide and guard our minds in Christ.